listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of ESL Talk. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with our new co-host, Faye, and we look forward to producing more content for you as we go on this season. Yes, it's great to be back. And today's episode covers another topic a lot of teachers talk about. How do I find new students? What should I do to get new students? And how do I retain them once they are learning with me? It's the million dollar question, right, Faye? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. As we know, with the acceleration of online learning, there's been a massive growth in students wanting to learn English, especially since the inception of the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of techniques and strategies that both myself and Faye can hopefully share with you today. Yes, um, we will be giving a bit of an Instagram overview for recruiting students on social media based on our experiences on Instagram and YouTube as well. However, we will cover this a little bit more in our next episode. Yeah, we do have a future episode all about social media specifically, but we will touch on it a little today. We'll also be joined by a special guest who is Suji, and she's a recruitment uh, consultant for a number of language schools. So she works with different language schools, and she's going to share the approach that's taken at her level and share some knowledge and expertise in how you can also attract your own students. Right. And as we both do some teaching online and work independently, perhaps we should discuss our approaches and techniques for retaining students, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as we both have different student groups, we have different audiences and approaches, I think our listeners can hopefully learn a lot from our experiences. Mm -hmm. um, so Faye, um, as a self-employed ESL teacher with a massive online following, mm -hmm. how do you recruit students? Well, in, in my case, um, Instagram has been my number one marketing tool. Um, once I started gaining more and more followers, I naturally started getting more inquiries on tutoring and online courses. It kind of just happened organically and on its own. Um, but it's also important to set up a website and newsletter for these cases as well. Having a mailing list really helps. Right. Um, when students ask me for info on online teaching, uh, just on Instagram, I always have somewhere to refer them to. So I just send them to my website for more information mm -hmm. and to send me a, a form or something like that. And what about you, Daniel? What's your approach for attracting and retaining students? I think it's a little bit different to mine. Yeah, I've had a very different kind of approach. Again, not again, I think the way you've done it, I guess, was obviously you've put in so much hard work and time, but some of it's been organic. It's kind of snowballed, mm -hmm. right? But right. I think for me, like I, I, the, the students that I teach online, I teach through a platform called italki. So if I, essentially the students 
are coming to me, I'm not going to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice in that way. Obviously, teaching there, they take a commission, which is understandable because they bring the students. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do with that platform is I make sure my teaching video, my description, all my information and my profile is as effective as it can be. Um, and also, I do have some private students that I've obviously, you know, picked up generally through word of mouth. And a lot of times um, from learning languages, I, I still take some time each week to learn Korean and I find that from learning Korean I've had other teachers or my teachers who who I'm learning from refer me to their friends or colleagues or family which is kind of strange but again as a language learner I'm also getting students as well Mm -hmm. so it's been a little bit of word of mouth a little bit of working with certain platforms that kind of do the the legwork for you Um, and then I I do want to start increasing my presence online it's very time consuming as I'm sure you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you go with it every day Mm -hmm. Um, so it's something I want to increase more and then also on YouTube I've done just a few videos um, that I do for my university students and that's also got a little bit of interest as well. So there's lots of different ways to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Faye, once you have students learning with you, how do you retain them? Because it's one thing to get the students, but how do you retain them and make sure they keep learning with you? Right. Yeah. So that that is the tricky part, especially when you want to basically retain students from social media where, where there's no commitment. Um, so one thing my new online course uh, will include is access to an exclusive group on Telegram. Uh, it's a really popular uh, chat tool nowadays, kind of like yeah. WhatsApp, if people are not familiar with it. But there's more things you can do with with Telegram than you can with um, WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And it's a great tool for keeping in touch with these students. Um, they might want to take another course in the future, right? So you, you kind of market that. It's a great, it's a, it, there's a good exchange because they get that direct contact with you, but then you also have that direct line to them uh, for future uh, content you might want to want to launch. Mm-hmm. Um, and for tutoring, I also find it helpful to offer prepaid packages of lessons. I think it's something that you do as well. Yeah. Um, so there's more of a commitment, right? So it's not just like one hour here or there, you just kind of sell that those lessons mm-hmm. in bulk. So that's another good strategy. Um, have you ever have you thought about having a Facebook group for your students where they all just join up? Yeah, there? Is that one idea? That's a that's a thing that I've 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 thought about. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't have the time to manage it right now. <laughs> but I've also I, I kind of think Facebook is dying out a little bit. And Perhaps, when I yeah. look at the at the people on Facebook, like at the the current users, it seems to be a little bit off my target um, mm-hmm. audience or my 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 niche. So I haven't really taken the time to invest in it, but I think it really depends on what your niche is as a teacher and what kind of student you're trying to, to approach. It's a really and, good point. Um, what, what, what about trial lessons? Is that something you think is good um, to get new students, taster lessons? Or do you think it's beneficial? But yeah, this is something you have to be a little bit pragmatic about because a lot of the times a lot of teachers are like, okay, I want to just recruit students. So I'll have a, a $1 trial lesson or a free trial lesson mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And that's great. But a lot of the time you might just get students who just want to have an English lesson for free or an English lesson for a dollar, which is tricky because, you know, students probably do genuinely want to improve, but money can be a big barrier for them. So what I do is I do have a slightly cheaper trial lesson. I do. And the way that I structure that is I 
work with the student, I present, okay, what is it that you want to improve? What's your goal? What's your target? And we'll set out over a course of 10 lessons or 20 lessons. Okay, here's what we're going to do each lesson one by one. Here's the homework. Here's the um, way you're going to be assessed. And I'll take you on that journey in that 30 minutes or that 45 minutes. And I'll get to know you. What are your interests? What are your hobbies? How do you learn best? And then hopefully by the end of the session, I can then say, great, you've got a total clear picture of what to expect from me and in the next lesson we're going to do this we're going to try this so i'll Mm -hmm. see you soon and here's some homework to get you started Mm -hmm. so hopefully that student goes away from that trial lesson and they think wow you know this teacher's organized they've prepared they know what i need we've agreed Mm -hmm. on goals that we're going to work on together they totally get it and they get me and i think that's really important to make that connection um so it's almost like a prep lesson that you're doing rather than a trial lesson I would say it's more of kind of a, a consultation or an evaluation. Yeah, yeah. That's like a good an interview, way almost in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. But I think that way you really get to understand your student and, and they can understand you and, and how you work as well. Um, mm-hmm. What about for you, Faye? How do you personally market yourself to students? And, and why is it important for your brand, especially with such a, a big presence on Instagram? Right, yeah. Um, I like to focus a lot on my expertise. Um, I, I don't think as, as teachers, it's really easy to just say, I teach anything and I mm-hmm. can teach all levels, but I don't think that's really beneficial. Um, it's good to, to focus on a niche or have your target. So in my case, I uh, my content is mostly uh, geared towards upper levels and exam English mm-hmm. or, or for people that are going to be living abroad. So it's right. more practical language. And, and I also focus a lot on my years of experience. I think that's a good, that's a great asset. Once you have those, if you don't have that, it's no problem. You just find something else that sets you apart. Mm-hmm. And it's important to focus on that um, so that your students understand how you can help them specifically and why they should come to you over other teachers or other schools, right? right? Mm-hmm. What's your, um, let's say selling point. And that's, again, why having a website is really helpful. And on that website, uh, what I do is I include my student testimonials um, so that other students, like potential students, can see what exactly I do and how I have helped those people specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you have, I know that you, you, you do that kind of as well. Yeah. And in general, like what, what, are, what do you, would you say teachers should do to promote themselves online? Are there, any, are there tips or best practice for you? Yeah. Um, actually, I was, I was on a forum the other day and, and someone was asking this. They're just getting, getting started teaching English. And they said, what are the things I should do to attract students and hopefully you know, do this successfully? So the first thing, it's a little bit scary and daunting, but having a good video introduction. Um, this is probably your biggest consideration because... Students can read a profile, they can look at a picture, and that might tell the story. But if you have a video where you can connect and, and urge students to take action and, and kind of lay out everything that you do, I think that's a really attractive and appealing way to get students um, to you know learn with you. Um, obviously, editing, creating a video, getting kind of a plan of what you want to say, it's very time consuming and it takes a while. And you know, every kind of six months, I like to make a new video just to keep it fresh and it's something I always keep putting off and off and off because it's going to take a long time. Um, if you don't have, you know, good editing skills, there's platforms like Fiverr or Upwork where you can get a professional video made and edit it for you. Um, it's not particularly expensive. You know, I think they start from $20, $30 and you can have a really nice end result in that video, you know, sell yourself, highlight your strengths, why should students choose you? You know, don't say I have experience in teaching English to all learners. Well, mm-hmm. 
99% of English right. teachers do. Exactly. So what makes you unique? What can you offer that others don't? Now, again, that doesn't mean you have to be, you know, mean or disparaging to others and say you're better than others. It's just, mm -hmm. what is it about me that you might like or that you might enjoy learning with? Um, you know, for example, I might say that my approach is very organized, structured, clear, um, lots of examples, lots of opportunities for students to interact. Mm -hmm. That's my approach. Others might be more might be more loose and just have conversational style. Um, it just depends, you know, what your audience is. Um, and then the second thing to consider is the classes that you teach. So you might offer one one type of lesson or two types of lesson or three. I would say three is a maximum. Don't go beyond that mm -hmm. um, because unless you're very experienced and you really know what you're talking about, then it's going to be a little bit diluted in your message. Your niche is not going to be clear. Um, I do offer on the platform that I teach on italki, I do offer five different kinds of lesson, but I feel like I have enough experience to be able to do those well. Mm -hmm. um, but again, that might not be for everyone. So again, don't just say, you know, we can do conversation practice. Well, great. How do you structure that? What tools, what resources, what materials, what's going to make your lesson better than some other ones? What qualifications, what experience do you have that makes it better than everyone else? And um, I find that that's also helpful uh, yeah. for you as a teacher um, right. to, 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 to kind of limit yourself in that sense. Like what are, set yourself some guidelines. Otherwise it's just like, where do I start with this lesson plan? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. That kind of ties into the next point, um, package-based teaching or course-based teaching. So mm -hmm. instead of just having a one-off lesson where you might just chat and say, okay, let's practice speaking for one hour for $10. Great. What does a student do with that? Again, yeah. maybe they just want to talk and that's some students do want to do that. That's fine. But how about offering a structured course, working with students to help them reach their goals? Okay, you're going to move to America next year, or you have a plan to become a nurse in Canada next year. What skills do you need? What can mm -hmm. we do? What can we add into that? So it's more value for the student. Um, so shifting from one-offs to course-based programs, that's really, that's really helpful because you might get a little bit less money per lesson, but overall, if I'm getting three lessons at $20 versus 10 lessons at $18, then that's helping me secure that long-term income, long-term students. Hopefully, again, usually what happens, knock on wood, most of the time mm -hmm. is students who learn with me for five or six lessons. They say, hey, I have a friend or my brother or someone yeah, I yeah, met yeah. in this country. They'd like to learn with you. Can I recommend them? Of course you can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's that step. Um, one more step, personal information. Keep it simple. Keep it clear. Make sure it's engaging and outlines exactly what you can and cannot do. Mm. Don't claim to say, you know, I can help you to teach. Uh, I can help. Sorry, I can help you speak fluently in one month. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no one should well, ever say that. <laughs> exactly. And when it comes to IELTS, I see it all the time. I mm -hmm. can help get you band seven guaranteed in, in 30 days. Mm. No, you can't. Don't be unrealistic because then you're going to have students who are disappointed, who are sad and annoyed and frustrated and you yep. don't want to deal with that and they shouldn't have to deal with that so be honest emphasize your talents and talk about the results that you've got that's a better way than saying i can do this i can't do this mm -hmm. obviously talk about what you're good at but in the past i have helped this student do this or mm -hmm. some students have managed to reach this score um and then like like you mentioned on your website and i do the same on my website reviews promote highlight recent reviews if i have a and if I have a review from Tom 10 years ago, it's not really relevant now. Mm -hmm. um, so 
ask students again, you don't have, don't beg them, don't force them to, to write reviews. But, you know, after a few lessons, if you have a good relationship with that student, Hey, would you mind leaving a quick review? Maybe just talk about what you like about the lessons. Why, mm -hmm. why do you, why did you choose me? That's I think really useful and, and valuable. I actually have a tip on that one. Um, mm. I, when I developed my website, I used Squarespace. I don't know if that's what um, people want to use, but it makes it really easy for you to add forms and you yes. can add a review form um, right. and you can hide that page. So it's not public. So what I do is I send that link to my students and it's the form asks exactly how have mm -hmm. I helped you? What have you achieved? What were your goals? So you're specific enough that, that it's not such a chore for your student to write. It's just basically filling out a form. And then you yeah. have great reviews and content to use for your testimonials page. Exactly. I think that's a really good point. And one more thing that I didn't mention, which I think mm -hmm. is growing and is really useful. If, you're, if your target market is adults, professionals, business people, LinkedIn is huge. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of courses online are talking about using this, but it can be really useful, not necessarily for marketing and selling yourself, but just here's what I do. Here's my work. Here's some activities I've made just to have that presence so that mm -hmm. if an organization or a company or an individual thinks I need to brush up on my English or improve these skills, they know who you are, they're aware, and they mm -hmm. can reach out that way as well. Well, well yeah, that's great. Like, thanks for sharing all that. Um, there's some real food for thought there. Um, but now let's take, take things to the next level and bring in our guest for today, Suji. Uh, who will share how she recruits at a professional level and the steps that she takes to recruit students for different global language schools. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Hi, Suji. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. So excited to hear about everything you can do to better recruit students as ESL teachers. Thanks for coming. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you really, really so much for having me here. Um, I'm just a tiny bit nervous to be here, but hopefully it'll be. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So let's get started. The first thing we'd like to ask all our guests is, um, can you tell us a little bit about your professional journey so far? Yeah. Um, it's been very interesting. Where do I start? So I'm originally from Korea. I, I was born and raised there. And uh, I moved to Canada in 2014. So that's about eight years ago. And uh, at that time, I had just graduated from university. So I didn't have any professional background whatsoever. I came here with just one year working holiday visa, which I'm sure a lot of listeners are uh, familiar with. Um, so it was just one year visa, which allowed me to work and uh, basically you could also study as well, but I didn't need the studying because I did the 
uh, ESL studying uh, prior to that. Um, so I just came here, got a job as a part-timer at a language school. So I was doing like activities. I was the, I was the student services coordinator. So the activity coordinating and uh, finding accommodations for the students. And um, so that's how I basically got myself involved in uh, international education scene. And, um, and it just kind of like evolved from there. Like I, it was, I started with the part-time job and then it became full-time and then I changed positions into uh, like admin officer. And um, luckily, I know this does not happen to everybody, but I was very lucky enough to have such an amazing team and, and the boss was amazing. She uh, agreed to sponsor me for a work mm -hmm. uh, permit. So that also led me to permanent residency in Canada too. And, uh, and then after that, um, I was really interested in like doing marketing and recruiting for international students. So um, I, I've been... The recruitment manager for now about uh, five six years now yeah so that's that's what is it has been for me so far great can i ask you more specifically what interested you what interested you into this uh, line of work like working with students and recruiting them uh very good question um i think i think it's mainly because i was once an esl student before mm. um about 11 years ago in 2010 i I couldn't speak a word of English. And then my mom was like, go to the States, like go to Seattle, learn English and take some ESL courses. And uh, I was like so scared as anyone should coming to a new country alone. And, um, but that was like being in Seattle for about like eight, nine months was just like a, a life changer for me. Mm. It, just, it was like, it was very shocking to see that there's like different style of life outside. Uh, it was life changer. And ever since that, I've had that experience. I've, I've always wanted to help out people who are in the same situation that I was, because mm -hmm. I know how exciting it is. And mm -hmm. also part of the reason why all the ESL students, uh, ESL teachers um, want to be an ESL teacher, because like you are kind of, you're uh, teaching a language to the student, but also you yourself kind of feel like you're traveling all the time. Mm -hmm, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really true. And yeah. I know what it's like being on the other side because obviously, you know, I was in Korea 10 years ago, which right. a long time ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, I know what it's like from the other side to have help and have support and it's really useful and really valuable. So tell us a little bit more about your day-to-day -day role as a student recruitment manager. Like what are you actively doing each day to help your organizations recruit and uh, retain students? Mm, um I think a lot of it is just keeping in touch and reaching out and follow-ups, meetings, phone calls, emails. So it's basically, it's basically, if in a nutshell, it's a it's relationship building mm -hmm. um, because it's. I also directly deal with the students themselves, but also a lot of times I'm also dealing with the agencies. Um, so those recruiting agencies, because I am in Vancouver. However, I need to recruit students from Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, and all these other countries. And, and the best way to recruit students from those areas are, are this is physically to, you know, to be there. Mm -hmm. But um, because since I can't, um, we work with a lot of, we heavily rely on um, those recruitment agencies uh, who are located in those countries. So um, yeah, so it's a lot of it is meeting up with them. Right now, it's a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of Zoom meetings. 
coming up with the strategies together to recruit more students. And, um, and once the enrollments, once the applications come in, then I'm also helping with the admission part of the uh, stuff as well. So I also, you know, keep in touch with the students later at the later stage of the registration too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, that's interesting because that's kind of like how uh, you do those partnerships and how you attract those students. But I'm, I'm curious about how you sell courses specifically. Like how do you um, sell a specific course to a student and how, and how do you market that so that it interests them in, in the school and the course as well? Yeah, it's a, it's def, that's a definitely like the most challenging part of the marketing because you got to know your audience because mm-hmm. you, you're selling the same, like, for example, at, at my college, we have a nursing program and um, our nursing program is not going to be popular in every market. Mm-hmm. So we find out who would be the good market, for example, like the Philippines or India, like, you know, those like, you know, they already have a lot of nursing you know, nurses over there. So we would reach out more with our nursing program and then get more audiences from those markets. And if it's, for example, like Korea or Japan, then I would uh, approach them with our like IT programs or business programs or Mm -hmm. things like that. So I think the most important thing is to figure out your target and what they need um, and, and, and go from there. I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. That's something we've talked about as well before, right, Daniel? Like, yeah, exactly. Um, knowing your audience. Mm-hmm. And know your market and know kind of what their needs are and how you can meet those needs. Yeah, absolutely. So this kind of ties into like communication. So obviously you're dealing with all these agents, you're dealing directly with students, you have all of these different people to communicate with. So that must be kind of a challenge at times. So how do you overcome these challenges when you're working with international students and agents and different parties from all over the world? Mm, yeah, it's uh, basically the, the line of um, uh, contact, uh, communication is very clear. Like I either always, uh, I either talk with the agencies or I either talk with the students. So it's very like, I, I can't even like mix them both together. Um, but I think for agencies, it's a lot of it is done by emails and there is no, I, I would say like one challenging part is maybe the language barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to working with like international, like students directly, because not everybody has the you know same level of English, so I guess that would be the biggest challenge. But other than that, there hasn't really been um, much of an issue with communication. But like you know, can you be more specific about like what kind of communication that? Uh, yeah, so maybe like a student has a question about the course or the program, or maybe they have a question about fees or how the course runs, like what do they get out of it? Those kind of questions, like how would you deal with those? Mm, okay, so mostly I would do like, uh, I would email. So email yeah. is the main source of uh, communication. And mm-hmm. if they still struggle, then I would ask to set up a meeting, to, you know, mm-hmm. set up a Zoom meeting. Or if they're local, then I would just call them and uh, just like talk it out and, you know, go over the process. Because emailing is that you're still in touch with them and then you're talking to another person. But it, there's some, something inhuman about, you know, just like, you know, emailing back and forth. So mm-hmm. I like to just like call them and, you know, um, and just make sure that they remember my voice and just mm-hmm. be more personal so i guess like adding that personable touch is always yes. 
That's yeah. great advice. I know like as teachers, we really have to nurture that kind of bond that we have with our students and make sure we're being kind of supportive without being overbearing and also mm-hmm. like making sure things are clear because a lot of times things can get lost in translation, as I'm sure mm-hmm. we all know. So it's trying to kind of preempt that and also manage that so that that doesn't happen going forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's why I find I like what you said about emailing and adding that personal touch because usually with, through email, it's things are very clear, right? And you can always refer back to what was said before. And mm-hmm. I, actually that, that kind of connects to what I'm going to ask you about. It's a, a little bit about expectations, right? Uh, what do you find uh, students look for the most when it comes to studying English or learning English? Like what do they expect the most? Oh, okay. It's, it's very different depending on the students. Uh, some students want to see the results right away in like a month, mm-hmm. but they're, they're not, you know, they're like beginner level. So mm-hmm. that could be really challenging when you run into those type of students. Um, but how, how also- do you, oh, sorry to interrupt, but mm-hmm. do you, when you notice a student has that sort of unrealistic expectation, do you address that right away? Do you try to change their expectation before yeah. they, they make a deal with you or before they actually uh, buy into a course? Yeah, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I also don't want to sell, you know, something that we don't have. So I mm-hmm. want to always be realistic. And I tell them that I don't always tell them what they want to hear, because once mm-hmm. they get into the situation, they'll know like, oh, sh- shoot, like, you know, it's going to take me like three months instead of a month. Mm-hmm. So I usually kind of tell them that, look, it's not going to be an easy way. And also a lot of it has to do with the students enthusiasm, like, you know, how mm-hmm. dedicated they are. Um, they can't be speaking their, you know, uh, their native language all the time and, and, and expect to be good at English. So mm-hmm. I usually tell them my example because um, like I tell them the stories like from uh, when I couldn't speak English too. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I, I just usually like tell them tips and advice on how I improved my English mm-hmm. and maybe it'll work for some students. And, um, but yeah, students get a little frustrated if they don't see the results right away. But I tell them like, it comes with time. Um, What I also tell them is that that first year when they start learning English, that first year is when they see the dramatic improvement. Mm -hmm. After that one year, it's going to be very steady. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I give them all the advice that I could possibly give. And they're usually like, oh, very agreeable. They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's good to know. It's not always the case, but yeah, I think I think if you're honest and realistic and you kind of, you know, share your experience, I think most people can kind of see see the the sense in that and they'll usually be fairly open and open-minded mm-hmm. about it and approach and, and see and that approach. I like that too uh, because we have I know we have a lot of listeners who are non-native speakers of English and teach ESL, right? A lot of non-native mm-hmm. teachers. They usually have even a personal stigma, oh, I'm not a native speaker. I'm not ever right. going to be as good as a native speaking um teacher but I think Suji just touched on a very uh, good point like you understand your student better than anyone because you've been there right if you if you teach English and you learn it yourself like you you can definitely relate to that so that's a great asset Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and also to add to what you just said about um, English teachers whose first language is not English um, I have also run into a fantastic excellent teachers who are like that Mm -hmm. Um, I used to work with this one Iranian teacher um, she still, she has a little bit of an accent, but still like, you know, for ESL students, they're not going to notice. Like, mm-hmm. um, she knows what she's really good at. That was really good thing about the teacher. She's like, I'm going to stick with uh, teaching beginner elementary, maybe pre-intermediate level. Um, and also s- students respond really well to that teacher too. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. That's a really good point. So mm-hmm. yeah, so just related to that, Suji, do you think students invest more in the teachers or the course or the school? What do you think they invest more in? Because I, I guess initially they don't know the teachers, but by the end, do they have kind of loyalty and appreciation for the school or the teachers or both? Um, it's never really black and white when it comes to that. Um, I think, I think if I had to choose, it's the teachers that makes the school really great. Um, but also school uh, provides that, um, you know, like the environment where the students can make friends and, you know, there is a social aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they go, they, they both have to be really, you know, good to be going together with. Um, but I think from if I was a student, I would probably uh, think a school. Uh, I would choose a school over over a teacher because um, in my experience, like meeting people and making friends, making connection was more important than, mm-hmm. you know, having a good teacher. Absolutely. Having a good teacher is good, but, you know, also you need to have those, like, you know, social environment as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think you could be, and again, please feel free to chime in on this, Faye. I think mm-hmm. you could be the best teacher in the world, but if you don't have the support of good resources, good materials, good mm-hmm. lessons, engaging content, then it kind of falls down. But if you can have mm-hmm. that mix of, you know, a good kind of um, educational background or support or resources mm-hmm. with those teaching skills, I think that makes it perfect. But what do you think, Faye? Yeah, absolutely. I think especially when you're starting out as a teacher, uh, being part of a large organization like like that and uh, having the support of admin staff and recruitment staff and and all that is, is it's really important. And um, yeah, like you said, like it's if a student is studying internationally, they want the experience, right? So mm-hmm. they're definitely gonna that's gonna weigh more than just just the teacher. But yeah, I guess it's a combination of everything for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, on, on that note, um, once your students are here, they've met their teachers, they've had their classes, right? How do you retain them? Like, do you have any tips or any advice, uh, even for teachers who are just uh, teaching on their own? Um, mm-hmm. What do you think is, is good to do or not to do to keep those students? Mm, um, I think the most important thing to keep the students is it's always be available for them. Mm. Um, always be available for them and be someone to talk to anytime they want, because you always you have to put yourself in their shoes. Like, you know, imagine you are going somewhere that you've never been alone. Um, having that support from the teacher or the, the staff is tremendous. Like, you know, that's mm-hmm. what we're that's what will make your experience in a foreign country really great. Um, and also that's how they will remember you too. So mm-hmm. I always be friendly, be there for them, um, have an have an open door policy, you know, basically mm-hmm. have the students, you know, like allow your students to, you know, talk to you whenever they want, give advice. Um, I think that's the most important thing. Um, and also what not to do is probably not knowing their culture. Mm-hmm. And not knowing the culture of the, the student's origin, because um, I've had some very awful, uh, I've heard some like horror stories mm-hmm. um, where the teacher didn't really know about, you know, certain things and certain rules about the country. And then, you know, she she went on and made some inappropriate comments in class and that, you know, that really made certain students feel uncomfortable. So I guess when you're dealing with international students, like knowing 
you know, getting to know different culture and like how to, you know, like get the mm-hmm. mechanism and all that. I think that's mm-hmm. what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those yeah. are great points. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with making yourself available. I mean, for teachers, also, especially if you're teaching on your own or tutoring, of course, you don't want to give your student your private uh, <laughs> WhatsApp number to call you 24-7, but just telling your student when and how to reach you and so that they know that they can uh, if, if they want and then trying to respond as much as you can. You do definitely want to set boundaries. But but yeah, like Suji said, just make, giving your student that availability, being open to that is really, really important to create that yeah, connection. What do you think? Definitely. Daniel? Yeah. And getting to know the students, taking a little bit of time, you know, tell us about where you're from. And then over time, mm-hmm. eventually you'll start to make those connections more easily. And oh, okay, this student's from here. So maybe they have these expectations or they might be used to this or they might learn better this way. I think that's really important. So definitely get to know your students, obviously professionally and make sure that, you know, you don't overstep the boundaries and either do the students in terms of, you know, you want to help your students, you want them to be successful, but like you said, Faye, you can't have them contacting you all the time. Generally, the approach I take is, here's my email. If you have a question or you need some support with the work, let me know. I'm happy to help. And of course, you know, you might ask, you know, how was your weekend or, you know, have mm-hmm. a try and keep building that rapport. I think that's really important for retention as well. Um, so, Suji, one last question to ask you today. Um, if maybe, you know, new teachers or those who are just starting out tutoring or they just, you know, have a few students, what advice would you give them on how to recruit new students and, you know, some strategies that would help them to get more students for their teaching business or for their tutoring business? What do you think would work for them? Um, I would think social media, like utilize social media to the maximum level. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I wouldn't like, you know, go on every source of social media because, gets so confusing like I would say I wouldn't be on like Twitter Instagram YouTube like I wouldn't be on all those channels Um, I would choose my one pick and then just stick with it so for example YouTube is a great example right Um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of teachers who are already like you know uh, doing YouTube uh, channels right now and um, it all starts small but also we were just talking about earlier you know keeping that students and, you know, making connections with the students, that could be your ambassador, you know, mm-hmm. like if you keep really great relationship with your students, it's always word of mouth. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can uh, definitely keep in contact with every student that you connect with. And because that could be your ambassador, if you were ever like YouTube channels or anything like that. And maybe if you were to do that, like set aside, set aside some time to focus on like, you know, your marketing strategies like once a week or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's all about the investing your effort and time to make this sounds, this sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, it's completely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do have a, we do, we, we touch on this, on this episode a little bit as well, but we have an upcoming episode on using social media uh, to recruit new students. But Suji, you hit the nail on the head. Don't try to do it all, right? We, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're both proof of that. Like I've had a lot of success because I focus on my Instagram platform and Daniel has had success on YouTube focusing on that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, great, great advice. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing any social media, but myself. <laughs> so I can't <laughs> the person, best person to give this advice. But just from what I have seen, mm-hmm. from the ESL teachers, um, I've seen some uh, a student uh teachers can be very successful that way mm-hmm. that's awesome yep. yeah thank you so much for sharing those perspectives you know a lot of the time we just talk about teachers 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 like obviously you're very heavily involved but you have that kind of that 
very interesting perspective from being just alongside it but not directly in it so it's really useful to hear your you know your uh, advice and what you see from your perspective as well so yeah thank you so much for joining us today it's really great to hear your experiences and your stories yeah no thank you problem. very much Suji. thank you so much Faye. Mm -hmm. thank you so much Danielle. All right. That's all for this week's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode and now have a better idea of how to successfully recruit and retain your own students. Yep. And as always, remember to subscribe to receive the latest episodes, especially for series two. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast, or you can send us an email to eslTalkPodcast at gmail.com. Remember, if you're looking for advice or need some tips, feel free to reach out. We're happy to help. Yes. And be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.